Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. And welcome back to the show. I'm so glad you guys are all here. Today with me, I have got my good friend, Tamar Medford. She is a personal life coach. She is a fellow podcast host of The Road to Health. She is a champion for those who are suffering from addiction. And boy, are we going to get into that one. She had her own 20-year battle with addiction and obesity. And in 2012, she went into recovery. Now she is super passionate. It is her purpose, her her reason for being here. The reason she was created is to empower others to believe in their positive transformation. And I believe that that's why God um, had her go through what she did. She wrote a book. It is called Hope Elevated, How to Accept Your Past, Gain Clarity, and Develop a Healthy Mindset. And we're going to talk more about that today. We are going to learn what is addiction. We're going to talk about the different types of addiction that are out there. We are going to get into how being an addict is actually a blessing in our lives. We're going to talk about what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And we're going to tell you how to be part of the book launch for Hope Elevated. Tamar, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm so excited to have you here. This is a side, I know you're the guest, but this is a side that most people don't know about the Toxin Terminator. Um, you know, it's a side I don't have out there in the public persona. So we're going to get pretty raw and vulnerable, I think, for you as well. Is this a, you wrote the book, honey, you're going to be loud, loud and clear with it, right? <laughs> yes, it was a scary, um, scary, but very healing experience. I think it was something that needed to be done. And I think, you know, too often, we don't think about our past experiences as being a gift in the future. So absolutely. And, you know, we know being where we're at that, you know, people need to hear, they need to hear, um, you know, from from us and, and what we've been through, right? So talk to me about, you know, I don't want to dive into the all the nitty gritty about, you know, everybody kind of knows what what addiction is like, the, the really horrific side of it. But let's talk about how do we become addicts, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of fallacy behind, behind that. I truly believe that we're born with addictive genes. Um, it runs in my family. My parents are not affected by it. But for myself personally, I had a really fantastic upbringing, you know, loving family. We did move around a lot. So I think that contributed to my self-esteem issues a little bit. But there was nothing that triggered me to become an addict. And I know a lot of people have this belief that you have to have a horrific upbringing. And although that's the reality with a lot of of people in addiction that's the common story there I'm finding out more and more now that it's just people that when they have a drink or they ingest a substance or they eat certain types of food 
they react differently than Mm -hmm. other people do. And that's something I had to get through my head because I really just thought I was a heavy drinker with, you know, a drug problem occasionally, which lasted for years. But, you know, (laughs) I really had this belief, right? I mean, I had this belief that it was like, okay, well, I have, you know, a marriage because that's what society tells me I have to do. I have a vehicle. I bought a condo. There's no way I'm an addict. You know, I should be homeless. And I think that's important thing to know. It's it's what happens to you when you, I think, exert a certain type of behavior or you ingest some sort of substance. And there's many different types, obviously, of addiction. Yeah. Well, and for um, for me, there was always somebody worse off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there. Um, I think we justify it in our mind because, well, I don't drink immediately upon waking. I don't drink all day long. I'm I'm a heavy social drinker. Like I only drink when I go out to party, but you know, well, we can party all the time, right? <laughs> you know, there, there's always that justification, but I believe what you said, that there is a chemical in our brain that flips, you know, it's like a light switch that flips on and we don't have that ability to say no, you know, mm-hmm. and, to, and to rationalize with it. But um, I think it's important to understand that that it, this comes in all shapes and sizes and all ec- economic backgrounds and and all, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, for the down and trodden and homeless or anything like that. It, it's all of us. Right. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, I've met people now in recovery, that they were weekend drinkers, but the same thing, they would start drinking, and they couldn't stop. And people are like, well, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop it too? And it still baffles me, I'll go with friends that Mm -hmm. are, you know, just regular social drinkers, and they have a glass of wine, and they leave just a little bit at the bottom of the glass. And I'm like, aren't you going to finish that? Like, that's such a waste (laughs) of wine. Why would you do that? And they're like, well, I'm done. I've got this kind of buzzed little feeling and I don't like it. But for me, it made everything go from black and white to color. Yeah. Well, and then um, another thing I was thinking of, I I want to, you know, your audience is wondering, hey, this is the toxin terminator. Why are we talking about addiction? And, you know, I believe addiction is, you know, a toxin is anything that's going to cause harm to our body. And addiction certainly is that. One of the things that always made sense to me is rather than looking at how much do I drink or do drugs or, you know, uh, shop or go gamble or eat or exercise, you know, the list goes on and on. I believe once you're an addict, you can take it into all shapes and sizes. And for me, um, a lot of that early on in life was men, you know, too, and sex. Mm -hmm. You know, I got, you know... whatever, you know, I was getting, I was getting, you know, from them, but it's, how do you feel? What's happening to you? Are you happy, you know, with your behaviors and attitudes when, you know, that was like a vicious cycle for me? How about you? Because I, I would do stuff under the influence that I would never do. Never in my right mind would I have ever made those choices. And then that made me feel even worse about myself. And was like this vicious cycle. How about you? 
It was the same thing. And I think that's part of why I wrote the book. Because I mean, as I was writing, there was stuff that I literally had forgotten about and pushed out of my brain because for some reason, I didn't want to acknowledge it. And I, I dealt with it, right? I'm, I'm so grateful for my counselor today. But it, it, like you said, it comes in so many different forms. And for me, sugar was one of those things too, right? Yeah, yeah. And when we put down one addiction, we go to another. I mean, even in sobriety, mm-hmm. right away, I had gone, I got obsessed with working out. I did 100% all in. I was going to eat chicken, broccoli, and rice every single day for a year. And I achieved my goal, and that felt really good. But my mental state wasn't right because I was looking at everything all wrong. It's like, okay, well, if I'm drinking 100% of the time and now I'm working out 100% of the time, that's good. Right. But it's not. And for me, part of addiction is those addictive patterns that addictive behavior and it comes in you know sugar it comes in addiction to control you know Mm -hmm. codependent relationships with me trying to control everyone and everything around me and it's exhausting it is exhausting (laughs) you know and that control aspect we're going to probably jump all over the place with our conversations (laughs) so you guys bear with us here but that number one, I want to talk about. Uh, let, let's first go back into, uh, you know, what happened. We don't. I, we don't have to dig out the dirt and the and the dirty laundry and all this stuff. I want to get to what was the bottom. What was your bottom? Because everybody's got to reach their bottom in order to make a change, whether it's with addiction or anything else, right? If we're just looking to be healthier, we mm-hmm. got to be at a bottom, right? Yeah. Exactly. For me, it was drugs and alcohol. And at various points in my life, I think I had hit a lot of different bottoms. And then it kind of changed over to food and what I was putting in my body. And I got so extreme with my weight loss. Um, You know, I would go to the extent from eating, you know, two bags of microwave popcorn a day with seven oven baked fries and a, a veggie patty and go for an hour walk just so I could drink anywhere from eight to 12 beers per day. And I was killing my body. And to top it off, I would take things like ephedrine, diet pills, right? I would I would always look for that quick fix. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was an addiction. I'm like, well, why do I have to do this if I can take a pill, right? right? And then, you know, after I got married, my husband was an alcoholic as well, ex-husband now. And I just, I was so enthralled in all this addictive behavior that I remember one day I was sitting on the floor and I was so tired of apologizing to everybody about my behavior and I had a little pug his name was Rudy um, and I sat with a bottle of pills because I had had some pain pills and I just thought I don't want to be here anymore like I'm hurting people I'm killing my body I weighed 215 pounds and my marriage was so it was just such an unhappy marriage he was a great guy but because he was an alcoholic, we fed off each other and mm-hmm. that destructive behavior just took over. And I just wanted to end it. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people say that's super selfish, but I was really tired of hurting everyone in my life and saying, sorry, I really thought it'll just be better if I'm out of it, you know, if out of this world. And that actually ended up being what inspired me to turn my life around was that very moment. You know, uh, uh, I'm so glad, you know, that 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 ended in in a positive direction for you. And this leads me into 
my next point, and I, and I know you believe the same thing, that I view being an alcoholic, an addict, whatever name you want to put on it, I view it as a blessing. I do. If I hadn't gone through what I had, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the passion to do what I'm doing today because I met somebody at the right time, at the right place in my life. And I truly believe that, you know, God or higher power, however you choose to call that, um, put that person in front of me. I actually had met them in high school, which if you read my book, you'll hear that story. But, you know, I was given this glimpse of what my future could be like. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. And as I learned to slowly work on myself and work on what I'm putting in my body and what I'm doing mentally for my health everything started to change right now did you go into any kind of a treatment program or did you just go into a 12-step program right away or what did that look like for you yeah I just I actually went into a 12-step program and the funny thing was is when I had met the trainer um, who is also there she I had no idea that we had that in common and we started training and so I got really obsessive and I actually would on the weekends I would have nine beer because I was really determined to fit exactly what I had to do and be a good student because I was also addicted to that recognition I wanted the gold star and I would have three beer Friday Saturday Sunday each day and I would drink half a bottle of NyQuil so I would pass out and that would allow me to keep my food in check and so over the the first few months, um, I remember asking her actually one time for lunch and I'm like, oh, you know, are you going to have a drink? And she's like, no, I don't drink anymore. And we never really got into it. But then a few months later, June of 2012, we went bungee jumping and we decided, okay, you know what? Like, we're going to do this. We're going to conquer our fear. And I was creating this brand new life for me. And she had brought that up and said, you know, if you need help, I can show you how. I'm like, oh, I don't need that. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not for me. That's maybe for people who are homeless, but uh, turns out that next weekend would be my um, last bender. And it was a really bad one with my ex-husband. And I just reached out and I said, I need help. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, through the grace of my higher power, I ended up getting the help I needed. And I started that transformation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I and I believe, you know, I went through a treatment, I I was blessed that my whole entire family was kind of getting sober at the same time. And I was the last one. (laughs) You know, the stubborn one. (laughs) Oh, well, I was the high functioning one, you know, and so it wasn't recognized, I I hid a lot of what I did. Um, You know, that so not it wasn't prevalent like like the others mm-hmm. um uh i i like to say i was high functioning but i, I wasn't you know yeah. you, no one is but talk talk to us about you know there's wonderful treatment centers available out there for people to get help there are wonderful aa programs and i always tell people keep going back just mm-hmm. until you find that meeting that really clicks with you, the people that click with you, um, you have to give it an opportunity. Don't go once and, and judge it on that. Just keep on going back because through this, you know, the addiction in my mind, and again, I'm talking, I, but the addiction is just a behavior, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's simply a behavior. The 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 change comes in here. Mm-hmm. You know, in the heart, in the inside the. And I know I'm I'm pointing I'm pointing to the heart, guys. <laughs> We're on audio. Imagine it. You know, that's what I call the blessing. Is is that I don't have to walk around life uh, without my toolbox full anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, what about you? Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, I I think one of the biggest gifts I got was actually looking at my part in everything. Because like I said, I had control issues as well. And it was always blame, blame, blame. And I think people do that with their health, too. It's like, well, I signed up for this program. And I know I, you know, cheated a ton. But it's the program. It's not me. And when I finally took a stance where it's like, hmm, maybe I do have a part in this. Everything started to open up because people, I think, really respect that, right? When you do go into recovery, that is one of the things that is so freeing is actually looking at that and all the things that you've held on to, the resentments that kill us, as you know, mm-hmm. we start to look at them in a different way. And yeah. I think that's also helped shape who I am today and why I'm doing what I do, because I help people shift that mindset to that, like, uh, this is all I'm ever going to be. This is all I'm ever going to do to seeing what that potential is. And I think that's what we get from the program is I know for myself, it's been a gift because I see how my addiction has become an asset. Right. A- absolutely. We, we get to learn the life skill sets. You know, our problem as addicts is we don't know how to live in this big old thing called life. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't accept reality for what it is. You talk about the control issues. You know, we're trying to control everybody and everything around us. And then we get that big old victim mentality, you know, yes. it's a big B on our head. Oh, you know, well, if you were doing this and you were doing that and if just only (laughs) (laughs) yes um you know and we don't have to do that anymore and that that's what I really want to focus on um you know today is is what's different that we don't have to fall into that we don't have we don't have to revel over the past you know we don't and, and I can look back at my past now and be thankful and grateful um I don't resent it um I don't uh, and I'm not and I'm not looking in the past and worried about the future and pissing on today. Right. You know, if you're right. that saying. Right. I think that you touched on it, the victim mode. Um, a lot of us tend to get trapped in that. I, you know, I still see it today as someone, you know, social media is and, you know, we're on social media quite a bit because we're spreading a message and we're trying to spread hope and health and all that stuff. But you see it with so many people. I truly believe that what you focus on is what you get. Right. And so, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm no good at this or, oh, I can't believe that person got to go here, you know, I've heard it before. And I actually had somebody that I worked with years ago say, well, it must be nice to be able to go on a trip to Spain. And I wanted to respond with, well, I've been bankrupt twice. And I've struggled (laughs) with addiction most of my life. I'm really happy that now I have this gift called a new life. And I get to do those things because I worked really darn hard for it. Right. Right. 
And so, you chose. You yes. chose. That's the that's the huge piece of this is the is the mindset. Um, and I spend a lot of time in in my podcast and in you know uh, my talks on that. And tell us why. Um, because people people need to learn that what they focus on they create right and I when I started my podcast back in December's when it first launched I was about 30 31 pounds heavier than I am today and I just thought okay it's time to take another step in my journey I want to be accountable I'm going to put this out to the world so I took my listeners on an adventure with me as I was traveling for business obviously not right now and I'm like okay what can I do what can I play around with and be open-minded to while I travel and I get healthy. And so I literally took all my listeners through this process with me and I would share like, hey, this is what I learned. This is a strategy you can use. And the key for me was becoming more open-minded and stop being so opinionated that this is the one way to do it and that's it, right? I had to learn, and you and I have talked about it before, when you're you know, putting things in your body, it's going, okay, for me, sugar. I took that out of my diet in February, and I have not had any sugar since then, which is a miracle for me. That's and huge. Yes. And I still have things, as you know, that I'm working on getting out of my body and not ingesting anymore. But it's one step at a time, and it's learning to be open-minded and go, okay, I'm just going to play around with this. What's right for me? You know? Right. What right. can I do to get healthy? Yes. And that's... Uh, Tamar, that's huge. And I know you use this when you're life coaching with people is, you know, there's not one answer that fits all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you get we get to lay out the, the smorgasbord for you and you get to choose what to dine on. Right. Exactly. And, and I, you you got to enjoy it, right? You got to yeah. enjoy this journey. People literally, when they go into diets, they put themselves into this suffering, yes. right? It's like, we're going to suffer in silence for the next three months because we want the body, you know, when it doesn't have to be that way. No, you know, one of the things I got sober when I was uh, 19, almost 20 years old, I, I think I turned 20 right shortly after you know, becoming sober. And I remember one of the things kind of going into this treatment center thinking, oh, my God. I can't drink the entire rest of my life, you know, and at yes. such a young age, it was like, what? I mean, I could not, my whole world revolved around, you know, drinking friends that drank, you know, the party atmosphere. And I'm 19, 20 years old. Of course it did. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, that's the mindset, though, that we when we can switch to understand that it's not that I can't drink the rest of my entire life. It's the fact that I'm giving myself life. Mm -hmm. I'm I love that. Hey there. I wanted to take a minute to talk about the everyday products you are using in your home. Many of us are label hunting. They're examining every product in the house to make sure it's toxic free. And I totally understand that, hey, we're not all scientists, and maybe we just want that easy button to help pick the right products. That's why I aligned with Young Living, a whole health and wellness company that has all the clean products you know, from essential oils to personal care products, makeup, supplements, items for kids and babies, and the list goes on. Almost any everyday item you could think of using. 
And the best part is, Young Living's products are seed to seal. They're backed by high quality standards. They're the leader in the industry and one of the only essential oil companies that have their own farms. I've been there, they're incredible. These are great natural products that you can use right at home. If you wanna shop worry-free for home products, click my link in the show notes and see the quality products from Young Living. We look at, I don't care if it's, you know, exercise, if it's eating, if it's shopping, if it's sex, if it's gambling, you know, what choice are you going to make today? And we've got that choice, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I... I write, I'm, I love to be organized. I use certain programs that keep me, I have tasks every day and I, I have about six things that I do every single day without fail. And it could be considered as d- addictive behavior, but I've kind of switched <laughs> that. Okay. What are those things I used to be addicted to? What could I be addicted to that will serve me today in helping others? Because that's my big focus is if I can, I used to be that, have that imposter syndrome where it's like, oh, my story is not special. It means nothing. There's people that are worse off than me. But the reality is more people can probably relate to my story that are struggling with even food addiction or something, whereas they're not going to be able to, you know, relate to somebody who's been homeless. So I have to remember that I may able to, I might be able to reach a broader audience because people will be like, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. I was in a really bad relationship too. And I could not get out of it. Right. right? So I've, I've replaced all that negative addictive behavior with positive ones. And it's always every day I focus, what can I do today to get me closer to my goals tomorrow? And that's all I focus on every single day. You also touched on something when when you were just talking about being of service. And that's one of the things that we're taught in the AA program is, you know, to be of service. When you first get in there, they're going to start making you set up chairs and um, passing out coffee and making the coffee and cleaning up after the meeting. And it's like, is it because I'm the youngest one in the room? You know, it's like, you know, but there's a purpose for that. And, and it's and why is that? Because it takes you out of your head. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if somebody says something to me, and it still happens today, it's something I have to work on, or I see something, I will think about it over and over and over, and I can't shake it. But just like with life coaching and helping others, as soon as you talk to somebody who's struggling, so if a friend calls you and says, hey, I'm going through something really terrible, I'd love your opinion or your solution or whatever advice, all of a sudden, you're thinking about that person. You're not thinking about you anymore. Because when we keep thinking about us, because I'm the most important person in the room, right? I'm the, I used to say, when I was sharing, I'm the general manager of the universe, right? And that role is really just exhausting. But when I start to focus on other people and start to listen to them and just take in what they're going through, I forget all about my problems. And it's easier to live that way. Yeah. Well, and and what's so important, I want the um, listeners to understand is that, you know, Tamar is eight years sober. I'm 34 years sober. And we still have the personality traits that we had 34 years ago and Mm -hmm. eight years ago. They don't go away. That's part of an, an addict. Just because we stop the substance doesn't mean that we you know, the, the other stuff uh, doesn't 
go, you know, you have to work on it, I guess is what I'm trying to say is it's a constant, uh, you know, deal. And and we think differently, I, I believe, you know, and that control, um, you know, I don't know. Do you do you think that, you know, like the normal people out there are, are trying to control everything around them? Yes. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people, we have this very conversation. You're usually mad because something you wanted to have happen a specific way, you know, your expectations, expectations <laughs> is a big word in my life. When expectations don't go my way, I start to get kind of discombobulated. And I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? Right? It, all of a sudden, the focus always reverts back to me. But the right. difference I think today with going through 12 steps and working with other people is now when I start to get into that mode, I can snap out of it a lot quicker because A, I can help somebody not only in my career, like even my day job, I do outside sales. So my job is to go build relationships and create solutions for them that they're going to be happy with. But anytime I'm going through a tough time, I know now, without a doubt, you know what, this is going to pass. And whereas yes. before I would thought, oh, I'm going to think this for like the next year. It's never <laughs> This thought is never going to go away. Well, even though I'm in the moment, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I know that tomorrow will probably feel a little bit better. Yeah, I love that. And, and so we get by going and sitting around the tables, by visiting with others who are just like us, we get this tool set that we can use, that we can let things pass through us. Um, and I think the biggest lesson I learned, number one, was to be of service to others. It, 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 you know, the world doesn't revolve around us. And really, quite frankly, nobody cares about us. Right. Um, You know, I wish that it were differently, but you know, gosh, darn it all. Anyway, it's just not, you know, I love myself. I'm, you know, (laughs) that, what was that guy's name? Smiley, whatever. Anyway, there was a, a Saturday night live skit where that, you know, gosh, darn it. I'm special. And I love myself. I can't remember what the skit was. But, um, you know, we can say that to ourselves. And that's a good thing. But the rest of the world is not feeling it either. <laughs> no. That That's number one. But the big thing in order for recovery to work is realizing there's someone else in control. Oh, it's that, you. that's been a big gift for me because I grew up, um, I went and it's in my book, the story, but I grew up, you know, went to church with some friends so my parents could be alone on Sunday and we loved it, right? But we would come home and it was kind of that old school um, church service where it's like, okay, if you drink, you're going to hell if you do this. And so we would come and tell our parents that we're like, mom, you got to stop drinking wine because going you're going to hell. go to hell. And, you know, after that, I kind of, that was my perception of God. And now I've come to realize, and I was really resistant when I came into the rooms. I was like, oh, really, God? And that's something else that, you know, for anybody who needs help out there and thinks, oh, it's a religious program, it's not. And if you actually listen and you read, you'll find out it's not. But gaining that, you know, okay, I have to have faith that my needs will always be met, And I'm going to be okay. And when I started to let go, Mm -hmm. everything changed because Mm -hmm. my needs have always been met, even if it's been super hard. Like I lost everything. I had a bookshelf. I had a futon that a friend lent me and a dresser and my clothes. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I moved into a friend's place. She charged me cheap rent. I could survive. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I've had this, you know, slowly started. I didn't have anything. It was almost like I was given the gift of, okay, fresh slate. It's all wiped off. It's gone. You get to create what you want now, right? With my help. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and I think that's so important. And I, I don't think that many people come into this program and come into recovery with a strong Christian religious, spiritual right. background, we all have that brokenness, you know, within us on that. I, at least I, I did too. You know, mm-hmm. I, my grandfather was a minister. I grew up in the family. Then my mom died and we, we stopped going to church. And as a child, I didn't understand why we stopped, but I figured, you know, God was mad at me for something, you know, and that's why he took my mom away from me. And mm-hmm. and so I really started viewing God as a punishing God. And, you know, why do you hate me? You know, what did I do? You know, what, you know, why? It, it was mm-hmm. just a terrible relationship that I had with him. And um, I love that you say it's, it's, it isn't, you know, for, for me, for you, it is God, but it doesn't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. I remember getting sober, um, the women in the group, because I, I had to go to women's meetings, <laughs> <laughs> You know, best thing that ever happened to me because mm-hmm. those women were my higher power until I could develop a, a relationship with God. And those women loved me until I could love myself. And they walked me through so many things in sobriety. You know, I had more happen to me in sobriety than I ever did when I was drinking. It's crazy, yeah. um, you know, because life doesn't end. No, it doesn't. And I had the same thing. I mean, I think. You know, you like surrounding yourself with like minded people and especially people who can understand. And I think that's why it's so important for people to share their stories is it gives other people hope, you know, and I remember thinking, I can't do this. Like, who am I to not drink? Because I didn't even have a child because I didn't think that I could stop drinking for nine months. (laughs) I'm like, well, nine months. Forget that. Like that's time. (laughs) It is. I couldn't even fathom that. And, you know, same thing when I got sober I'm like oh every 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 day for the rest of my life I'm like doing the math I'm like it's 365 days a year but I think it's important to just one day at a time you just work on this today's today's now we can't control the past right Mm -hmm. it's done Mm -hmm. um the future what's going to happen happens you know if we plan and we do the right things today most likely the right thing's going to happen tomorrow. But I think hanging out with people and surrounding yourself with people who want the same things as you do. And I learned that very, I learned that the hard way in my first year of sobriety because I was newly single and I was like, okay, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to date. I'm going to hang out with these people who are going to the beach parties every day. So I was doing the same thing my first year, really. Yeah. I started smoking again. <laughs> and I'm like, I now I'm free. I have a good time. I actually have money to go buy something other than french fries and chicken strips at a restaurant. I can maybe <laughs> get the pasta or a steak. But I had to learn the hard way. And my first sponsor was like, you know what? You need to start surrounding yourself with people who have what you want. And that's when a lot of things started to change because I'm like, oh, that behavior is not appropriate anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ooh, dang. Oh, dang. <laughs> and, and it's a hard lesson. And that's the thing, too. Just like, um, you know, just because there's a church doesn't mean that everybody that's sitting in those pews are healthy and, right. you know, in a good spot. We're all children of God. We all have our things in life. And, and you know, we 
we don't, you know, there were periods where my mindset was horrible, um, you know, and, and there's, there's some pretty sick ones sitting around some of those tables too, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where you need good sponsorship. You need good friends that are going to pull you in and love you so that you don't get taken advantage. I was a young woman, trust me lots going on there, you know, and I got taken under the wings of people who, you know, been there, done that, had had the life that I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the big thing. I think even, even taking addiction and sobriety out of it, you know, in anything that you want in life, go find that person who's doing what it is that you want to do and just immerse yourself in them and finding out everything that you can, right? Yeah, and I'm, you know, grateful that I found, you know, all these groups and masterminds, like a lot of the people that I talk regularly to now are actually all over the world. And it's so cool being able to tell someone, you know, on the East Coast, hey, do you want to jump on a, a chat, a Zoom chat, let's talk. And it's like you've known each other forever. But it's I find that's a good way to get yourself out of that self pity mode as well is call up somebody who's doing what you want to do and talk about it go okay what's your goals and stuff like that and what a difference in your mood like when I get off these kind of calls and it's similar to when you go to a meeting you hear this hope you hear this message and it fills your cup up again and you're like almost re-energized and ready to take on the day you know right Um, the gift of community is just it's it's awesome Right. So talk to us. Um, you've got this book that r- you've written, and I have been blessed to be able to read it before it comes out. <laughs> and uh, it's so, so good. And I'm, I'm still not through with it, but I will be here within the next two days. Um, tell us what, why you wrote the book. Tell us what you hope people will gain from it. So probably about five years ago, I thought about writing a book, but I was horrible in school. And now I realize I wasn't horrible because I wasn't academically smart. I was horrible because all I wanted to do was party, right? And I really (laughs) didn't care about passing English 12. My English 12 teacher actually put my exam down and said, if you don't pass this exam and you're in my class again next year, I will make your life a living hell. So... That kind of set the tone for me thinking I wasn't smart enough to do something like this. But over the last few years, I've really come to realize that my past is a gift. And if I share my story in a vulnerable way, then people will start to be able to relate. And I've noticed that, you know, when I am in groups and I discuss things or I share little bits of me or what's going on, I didn't really dive deep enough. It would just be that surface stuff, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, this is what's going on with me and I really want to get vulnerable today. So I'm going to do this, this and this and this. It's very methodical. <laughs> and somebody called me out on it a few months ago and said, you know, tomorrow you've got to be more vulnerable like the story about the french fries and the you know the uh, the uh, microwave popcorn they're like that's the stuff you really got you have to share so that it gets through to your audience and i i've always wanted to help people that's been a strong desire for me but i thought okay what happens if i write out this story and so i joined the you know book group that we're both part of and i thought okay i'm going to make this happen like this is a dream of mine and i realized that that was going to be the way that i could reach more of an audience and it was a really tough 
process. Like it was diving into those things. Like I said, I'd completely buried away and forgotten about it's, it was scary. And there's times where I have to stop writing and go see my counselor and discuss it. But it's also (laughs) been very healing because it's stuff that I never discussed with anybody else. And there was, I, my parents both read the book in less than two days, which is unheard of for them. My mom's like, well, (laughs) I'll try and get it done in two weeks and I'll, I'll let you know. She said she couldn't put it down. Now, granted, she's in shock. And she said, I just want to give you a spanking or ground you. You and but I'm glad you're not dead. And oh my god! So, and my dad, who I have been forever wanting his praise, I've always gotten his praise, he's mm-hmm. always supported me, but I never saw it. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted more. If he said great job, I wanted him to say, You did a phenomenal job, right? Nothing right. was ever good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so, he even came and said, Wow, you shared this in such an open, vulnerable way, like I can hear you in the book. And that meant a lot because I think now I've achieved what I've set out to accomplish. And that is just to be me and be real and raw and open. And I really hope that anybody who's suffering from addiction issues of any type, whether it's codependency, it's, you know, you're in a toxic relationship, you have, you know, alcohol, drug issues, pills, like it comes in so many forms like we talk about. I want people to know that they're not alone. And I hope that my book kind of takes them to that new level where they think, you know what, I can change and this is possible. Mm -hmm. I love that. So let's talk about um, number one, how can people get a hold of your book? Because it's launching tomorrow. So let's tell them how they can. Do you have a site set up that they can go be part of so that when it goes live, they can be the first ones to know? So if you uh, friend me on Facebook, which is Tamar Medford, M-E-D-F-O-R-D, I actually have an event page uh, where you can sign up for that and you can join. Um, happy if you email me or uh, instant message me, I can send that link to you as well. Um, it's going to be going live uh, 7 a.m. on July 14th, which is tomorrow. It's so exciting. It's also my dad's birthday, by the way. So it's kind of a special day. I'll be with him all day tomorrow. Go to Amazon.com or Amazon.ca and we'll make sure we put a link on that event events page so that you can see I'll also have that on my personal page okay and Tamar is T-A-M-A-R yes and then Medford M-E-D-F-O-R-D so best place is Facebook if you're not on Facebook are you going to have it at your website um yes I will add it to my website for sure so you can get the details I'll put the links on the website it that is going to be www.theroadtohealth.me Okay. And um, guys, we will put all these links in the show notes. So look to the bottom of the show notes here, and we will make sure that all those uh, uh, two different ways of getting a hold of Tamar, because the road to health is also a way you can work with Tamar. If her story has spoke to you and, and you resonate with her and want to work with her, please make sure you go to the road to health, get with her, get connected, because this is what she's passionate about doing is helping. Let's, let's change that mindset. Let's shift. Let's make some small, simple shifts that we can do every single day to make huge impacts in our overall life. Tamar, is there anything that you really feel on your heart that you want to share out? First of all, before, because I'm going to give you the last word, I want to congratulate you on your book. 
thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being open. I know it wasn't easy and your book is going to be awesome and it's going to touch so many lives. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And yeah, I just want to say to anybody that's out there struggling and they really don't think that they can change their lives, it really is possible. And I think you and I are, you know, amazing examples of that. And there's so many people I know in my life now that you would have never guessed that they struggled with the issues they did. And don't be afraid to talk about it because when you share your story, you never know who you're going to impact. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.